Hello and welcome to this episode of The Lorgoifs. I'm one of your hosts, Michelle. I'm Justin. I'm A.E. I'm Bob. Hey, Justin, you're back. I'm back. You're back from Denver. Hooray. How'd that go? Lots of scape shift. Oh. Lot, lot. Did you see it coming? Uh, yes. I had been keeping, I, I had been keeping my thumb firmly wedged on the throat the of the jugular meta. of the, the, the jugular, format. Yeah. Uh, yes. And I... I did get to play one copy of Mu uh, Mu Yanling, Sky Dancer, and she is. We're we're BFFs now. Uh, she is so good. It's funny. Um, I remember when I was a kid, I used to have a Sky Dancer, and then they banned them because uh, you could use them as projectile weapons, which mm-hmm. I quickly found out about. Really? Yeah. So they were these like little dolls with like little like wings, oh, and yeah. then you could pull a string. They were in like a launcher, and you could pull a string, and they would like. Cut, like would fly up and then go for the sails early down. And I remember when I was a kid, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I can, I can like aim with this. This is pretty cool." There is this hilarious video sky of, dancers. There's this hilarious video of a girl. She's like, I don't know, six or seven. She opens up one of these for Christmas, and she's hanging out by the Christmas tree, and she's so excited about her sky dancer. And so she pulls a string, and then the sky dancer twirls, and she goes up and makes this beautiful arc right into the lit fireplace. <laughs> Why is this hilarious? You just ruined some poor little girl's Christmas, she, and you think this the, is funny? Her, you her think this Chris, is funny? Her What's Christmas, yes, yes, her Christmas yes. was ruined long before <laughs> I got to laugh I, at this video. I was just was really, great. I was just, Look, I just really loved mine. For the greater good, Mugan so many great. more cri- Christmases were made. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure she got to have a, a new one maybe next year if she was. If she wasn't traumatized for life and no longer was able to trust her. But how viral that video went because oh, it yeah. was everywhere. Yeah. yeah. She got all of them. Yeah, I'm sure she that, got a ton. She has a small army. That beautiful arc. The be- you got to see, like, the, the gravitational force of the earth with that arc and just marvel at the beauty of it. And then just. All of that dream and enthusiasm right into the flames. Right in the flames. <laughs> does this imply that you did not do well at the GP? No, I did terrible at the GP. Like, this was your thing. He's like, I oh, I did got so this bad. Deck, and then I pulled my cord and I wound up oh in the fire. Oh my gosh! It, just <laughs> so it was a metaphor. Into the fires. Oh, I went on a streak. I did. I was doing very well, and then I hit Esper and. Oh, Esper. Esper control. Oh, Esper. Like, times. Teferi turns off all of the Kefnet yep. reveals. Yep. And that makes me really sad, you guys. Well, your feelings are valid, Time Justin. Daddy is not here for you or your secret reveals. He, he's, he wants you to be hope with a good curfew and to see good people and also to be in time for soccer practice. One person I'm not grateful for is little Teferi or either Teferi, but... Tell us, Michelle, who we are grateful for. We are grateful for someone who has been a good provider of Time Daddies and other wonderful staples for Justin's modern and standard decks and our constructed playables, Card Kingdom. Oh, yes, Card Kingdom. Yes, thank you so much for being a sponsor. We love you so much. And if you want to continue supporting us, uh, you can use our affiliate link, www.cardkingdom.com slash lorgwaves. And if you ask for lorgwaves sticker, please, in the comments, they will toss one in for you as long as you promise not to buy 
Teferi the Time Raveler. Don't do it! No, buy um, all the time. I'm actually gonna Somebody buy. buy them out. I'm gonna buy a couple of Teferi Time We're no Ravelers. longer friends! I need them for my Jeskai so, Tempo Modern deck. So, I have six. God! You have six! <laughs> he and Teferi three, are like. I have three tight. Japanese altered art Oh nice. my wow. gosh. Yeah. So, Me and Teferi. Teferi is like my, my magic. I, you you open like how many of the, the hero seven, of Dominarias? Seven heroes. I, oh my gosh. So so here's the thing. I have like cosplay like once in my head, like a celebrity cosplay, like like casting in my head. And Karamo Brown from um, Queer Eye is absolutely teferi in my head because every time he sits down like the person they're talking to that week and he's like hey i see you i see you in your pain and he gives them that really lovely like gay dad talk and you're just like Karamo, he's basically teferi but speaking of other people who also bring joy to our lives which patron are we thanking today for this episode of the, the lord Waves? queenly becky straight from eldraine is what i've heard oh my gosh does becky. she have good hair she probably does have good hair. Of course. Would you, yeah. Goldilocks worthy, would you say? I would say, like, as sumptuous and as magical as Rapunzel's. And like Rapunzel, um, we would like to thank you for your healing, wonderful support. And for your ferocity, because you don't take no crap from no bears. Oh, wait. So that's Goldilocks. That's Goldilocks. We're yeah. just smashing all the... <laughs> Fairy tales together, which is what we're here for today. Yes. Today, yes. for the first segment, we're going to talk about Eldraine. The throne of Eldraine. It's mine. It's hella uncomfortable. It's, it's mine. This one's not made of swords. It's made of fairy bones. Of, I was going to say fairy wings. Fairy wings. I was going to say it was made of spoons, but sure, that's fine too. We can go with we can go with fairy wings. No, so we in this the what we learned. Recently, since last week, is that also Camelot is associated with this, and we saw the Camelot amazing titular artwork by Seb McKinnon. Oh yeah, that art is my favorite. Is now the background on all of my computers. I'm gonna buy a print. I'm gonna wallpaper my gosh darn walls with it. We also saw some wonderful art of like say the Knights of the Round Table, except it's not a table. It's something else. It's like a void. I don't know. Maybe it's a fable. Gonna have lots of things. Knights of the Round Table. I have not seen this very, one. I am very here wait, wait, for the Monty Python. There's four oh. of them holding the swords in. Yeah, like, okay. and like a, a round. It's the propriety ring from what was the last set? Ravnica. Yep. It's uh. It's it's the it's the ring. It's not actually a table. So it's right. Knights of the Round flagstones that oh, are oh, on another the, dimension. Well, the art. Yeah. Like yeah. The three of the swords are like perfectly perpendicular to each other. And then the other one is like tilted to the right. It was just Something, like, come on. I mean, it, that person may have just come back from battle and it, you know, they're really sore. I'm just saying as someone who has done many leg days, I understand that feeling. It's basically the same. And the back to Seb McKinnon's work, it really captures the misty mystery of Arthurian legend. It shows the fallibility, the failures of knightly men and... Uh, and just, valor. And yeah. yes, the and glowing chivalry. valor of the idealized Camelot. So we totally thought this was going to be like a return to Lorwyn like last week. And turns out we weren't completely wrong, but we weren't completely right either. What do you think of the revelation that this is actually a fairy tale, Grimm's fairy tale slash Camelot set as opposed so, to fairies? I'm going to be a little critical. I think there's a lot of things that can go right. 
And there's a lot of things that can go very, 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 very wrong. I mean, I don't so know. I hope for the right. Because this art, mm, this yeah. art is all right for me. Oh, it's so good. But Are you talking about the uh, the prejudices which were kind of impl- kind of hard-baked in the fairy tales? Is, is that what you're talking about? or No, because I feel like the art actually really tells us a story that that's not going to happen. Because mm-hmm. they proposed... They have a kick-ass woman of color knight already. Yeah. Yes. They've they've put oh. women in in these oh positions gosh, of power. Yes. Like yes. even Goldilocks, this little girl with her long blonde hair, sitting on the three bears that she just killed. Yeah. <laughs> Ayula's not happy. Ayula <laughs> is not happy about this at all. I, I'm just so excited because we are looking at a very dark interpretation of fairy tales. I mean, anyone who is familiar with the original Grimm's fairy tales is very aware of how dark they are. For example, in Snow White, the wicked queen is forced to put on red hot iron shoes and dance until she dies. That is a real thing. (laughs) Also, Hansel and Gretel, you know, uh, eating people alive. That's, you know, a thing that we see in a pie that has been previewed with little orc hands sticking out. I actually kind of like the the transition of so there's a arc archetype called the damsel in distress, which a lot of people hate and they hate it for the right reasons, but it's because it's generally a woman put in distress and needs a man to come save her. In the art by Seth McKinnon that we were talking about, it actually takes that scene from Snow White with the poison apple sleeping and puts King Arthur, or at least I'm assuming it's the King Arthur esque character there. Yeah, with the apple. So, yeah. Re, a, re, a role reversal. It's, yeah, it's the role reversal, well, which I think is But very also, powerful. Arthur had his failings as well. Uh, yes. And that was very clear in the legends. And the legends, uh, I mean, so we, we definitely know a lot about the Grimm's fairy tales and how dark they are. I mean, it's one of the things that I think our generation as a whole is, is very much all about embracing and subverting. We are the Shrek generation, after mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> oh, Shrek 3 was so bad. So, so bad. But one thing we don't actually always talk about is Camelot and the actual legend and lore behind that. I mean, I think fairy tales have been very much brought up again and again in, in more in more recent pop culture, like once in Once Upon a Time, definitely in Disney stuff. Monty but Python. Mont- no, Monty Python is Camelot, um, is the Arthurian legend. Is that where we were going with this? But I was talking about like how Camelot is something that we don't actually know very much about other than, say, Monty Python. I... Uh, to say on the same level of pop culture awareness. Okay, the same level, I think that depends on what circle you run. Because there were actually a lot of movies, especially kids' movies that came out. Like You had, you had uh, The Kid in Camelot's Court. Uh, you had, oh man. Sword in the, the Stone. Sword in the Stone. Yep. There, there are actually a bunch of them. Yeah, but we're not as familiar with the darkness and the bad, like the actual fo- like foibles that each of these characters have like within the story it's true like when we think about camelot you know we think about oh the the glory days of like the knights going out and how cool would it be if i was the 90s kid with my extreme skateboarding skills going back to camelot we're not going to talk about adultery oh i remember that movie we're not going to talk about adultery we're not going to talk about yeah what ultimately (laughs) destroyed the Court of Camelot was incest, adultery, unfaithful knights, and uh, Arthur's own illegitimate son stabbed him in one of the most epic deaths imaginable. Mordred! Mordred got stabbed. Arthur son stabbed his son. Nephew. <laughs> Arthur, and this is in the La Morte d'Arthur. La Morte d'Arthur. So, so yeah. Arthur spears his son, and in the classic Lord of the Rings move, Mordred walks into the spear and then stabs 
Arthur. If so I, if I may, Lamort uh, to Arthur was actually written before Lord of the Rings. So if anything, yes, no, Lord of the Rings but is it, like it's like that movie that you've always seen in like in the classic crazy fight scenes in Lord of the Rings actually happened in this Arthurian legend. Yeah. If you'd like to get a little bit deeper, I have studied this a bit, and I'll say one thing. The actual Arthur was real. He was in the Dark Ages, so not very much is known about him. People kind of reinvented his myth in the 1400s or 1300s, and they projected their current sensibilities back onto his time period. So the idea of knights in shining armor was definitely more 1400s, 1300s, not when he was, which was like like sixth or seventh yeah, century or seventh something century, like they were fighting in the dark lines. ages but anyways was camelot like it. itself was kind of a pushing their modern at the time sensibilities on uh, the dark ages so it's an interesting study in itself also bob mentioned this or i mentioned the sword and the stone that is that disney story is actually taken verbatim from the first book in the once and future king which is actually quite excellent yes the later books not so much but the first one is quite good and i do recommend it one of the things too that is very seminal to the story of Camelot and and fairies tales in general is and I think I, I'd like to discuss this a little bit more. Bob like honed in right on it, which is sort of the gender boundaries, right? Because in Camelot we have this idea of like chivalric love, where you never actually like I believe the way it went down was like, you, the lady, there's a knight who professes his romantic love for you, but you can never consummate it. It's just from afar, because to consummate it would be to sully the purity of that love. But I'm looking forward to seeing how, you know, we saw some really awesome strong knights and women in armor on Dominaria. I'm looking forward to seeing how that that is repeated or like that same theme is reprised. And the art looks promising. Mm -hmm. Like Red Riding Hood? With a breastplate? Yeah. And a sword? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's... That's Rowan, Rowan Kenrith. Kenrith. Rowan well, and Will, we should have we should have known uh, that. That's such a really, like, classic, like... Is it? Englishy name, yeah. Yeah, their presentation in Battle Bond was very storybook-like, harking back to Hansel and Gretel, for me. Oh, the, for, I, I looked at them and I was immediately like, oh my gosh, they got Ikea models. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> we are here to talk about the pointe. <laughs> and the meatballs. <laughs> yes. And now we will defeat you in the line of battle. But first, you must build your own sword. No. No. no directions, no tools included. No, no. tools. Just a simple Allen wrench. Yeah. <laughs> just oh my one Allen wrench to fix your sword. But it's exciting to see Rowan and Kenrith here. I mean, like, I didn't, I, I looked at them and immediately thought Scandinavian. I didn't think at all, like, English. But it's exciting to see um, them in their, I guess, quote unquote, proper setting, their home plane. Well, have we seen them, or we've only seen Rowan? We've only seen Rowan. Uh, Will could have been. Will could have been in that pie. Yes, yes. <laughs> that oh is my, my head gosh. <laughs> I'll say. I'll unba- oh god! Immediately when I learned that it was a amalgam of Camelot and and Grimm's fairy tales, I immediately thought Innistrad. Because so much of Innistrad is based on classic horror tropes, along with a lot of Eldritchian horror. And Magic was able to do that so well. Like, so many elements of the game were parallel to these classic horror tropes. It was just a match made in heaven. And when I think about 
the fairy tales that I grew up with and the the story of Merlin and Camelot, it makes sense. I thought to myself, it's astonishing that magic hasn't done this before already. Well, it is. it does make sense to me, mostly because... One, we've kind of treaded this a little bit with Lorwyn. We did delve a little bit into Celtic mythos with the Kithkin and also the fairies and changelings and whatnot from from that particular area of the world. I, I think for a long time, we've been so interested in also this long four year arc that was the Gatewatch that we, yeah, yeah that I don't think that we would have given this new plane kind of the time it needed in order to really like flourish and, and, you know, get there. <laughs> I just got this mental picture of Liliana being the witch in the gingerbread <laughs> oh, house. So I hate gingerbread. Why am I here? Shamble, shamble, shamble. Speaking of the four year long gate watch arc, each of these installments, and we, we went from ABC set to AB set to now just each set in of itself. And throughout all of these sets, the the storyline has just been the same storyline cloned over and over and over again. Like, oh, we're here on Zendikar. Oh my gosh, the Eldrazi have escaped. We have to fight the Eldrazi. Woo, the Eldrazi have been defeated. But you've just named every story in the history of the planet. Of all stories. So every story has uh, that intro, the climax, conflict, which is the and conflict. Then, and then the resolution. And then your resolution. Actually, there, are, there is a different way of telling a story. Rather than the hero's journey, it's the collective journey. Mm-hmm. Um, it's possible that, I don't know if we'll see that, but we certainly have the opportunity to. Honestly, I'm looking forward to just seeing story as far as like the main characters concerned, I think Rowan will probably be the main, one of the main characters and maybe her brother. She's on the, the, she's on the cover. Yeah. She's on the cover of the, the The Wildred quest. Yes. And so that would be awesome. But I am, I'm kind of almost looking forward to sort of the set dressing as it were kind of like in Lord of the Rings, you know, the, the main plot was really nice, but then people like me were like, yes, but can we just pause the frame a little bit and just (laughs) examine that one extra's amazing hair? (laughs) Like, because we've got all these things, we've got the gingerbread man. Yes. I mean, one of us could cosplay as a gingerbread man. (laughs) So uh, the gingerbread man art uh, done by Vincent Proust. And I assume the card has unblockable because run as, as fast haste. as you can. It's you a hasty unblockable golem. Run, run, run as fast as you can. And you can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread golem. Could have haste. I think it should have unblockable, but it could have either. Cute. I'm not the gumdrop buttons. <laughs> Do you know the muffin man? The, the muffin, muffin man? man? The muffin man. She lives next, jury, jury the next door to the... Muffin Man. The Muffin Man. The Muffin Man. Um, So anyway, we should stop making Shrek. I mean, stay tuned because if you enjoy that variety of humor uh, and Monty Python and Disney, there's probably going to be a lot. There's going to be no way to hold these people back from it now. It's going to brace brace yourself. It'd be pointless to resist at this point. It's going to wash over you like some amazing part the water veil shenanigans and you'll be taking all of the turns with us over and over again a, for all of eternity. A locus of, of whimsy and lore. Oh, well, that is the one thing I am excited about. The whimsy. The whimsy yes. is such... Yes. The whimsy is strong within this set. As the local Aminatau expert, do you think she's from this plane? No. 
Okay. Ooh. I think that Amina too is from, it's clear based on her garb that she's from a West African kind of inspired plane. And so I'm excited to see what we, what is done within that setting. But this just seems very much Eurocentric as far as. But we do have whimsy in spades. We do have whimsy and we do have like people baked in pies and whatnot. So that's going to be exciting. The potential is high. The potential is very high the and the art is amazing. It's actually, so to be clear, all cards on the table, when I heard like it was going to be Grimm's Fairy Tales and Camelot, I thought, ah, that's kind of disappointing. And then I saw the art, I'm like, yes! Sold yep. 100%. Yes, take my money. And, and these fairy tales, they, from the actual texts, they're extremely dark. Yeah. And the kinds of fairy tales that, I, I mean, I was a very sheltered child. I read Hansel and Gretel and I had nightmares about it for ever but magic lends itself to being able to very flavorfully express this darkness both through the art and the mechanics on the cards so i know we're not going to be spoon-fed these stories through the cards like you know the disney movies that i was spoon-fed because i was a sensitive child okay i definitely grew up on disney uh fairy tale fair myself but no magic deliberately tries to be a little more hardcore than that so we are a 13 plus game after all so what what kind of artifacts do you think we're going to be seeing and what kind of characters do you think we're going to be seeing besides the ones we've seen now like in my head i'm thinking ooh, red hot shoes artifact equipped to a creature (laughs) creature gets yeah, yeah. Does. poisoned apple for sure needs to be like some kind of artifact. Black artifact maybe, or just black enchantment. Black enchantment or something like an enchantment aura that you put on a creature and it... it, it it's blue, it's the new tap enchantment. Okay, turn to frog. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I predict this right now, frog. turn to frog is coming back. I'm sure. Um, maybe an Excalibur? Yeah. Oh yeah, equipment? Yeah, we got, I think this might be a fun equipment set. I'm also looking forward to a resurgence of witches. We already have quest for the Holy Relic. <laughs> that that belongs in this set. Yes, yeah. but but witches. I like oh, witches. Yes. Witches are like one of my favorite things ever. I'm a very, I love witches. Um, so I'm excited to see them come back and I'm hoping we get like a, a beautiful vampy witch. Vampy witch? Witch Speaking vampire? Of, I don't know. The No, probably not, no vampires. That's definitely... What are we, Simic? <laughs> Mashing creature types together? Um, we, uh, the folk. swamp by Svetlin Velenov, uh had l- looked like Grove of the Burn Willows to me, but apparently this is just a basic land, but it's so it's full of light glow. and vibrancy and wonder, oh, yeah, even in the this swamp. It, and then we saw a forest, which is like an enchanted forest where, where witches live. There were thorns, witches. little poisonous mushrooms, and it just... This has potential to be as charming as Innistrad, right? yeah. for the same reasons. Yeah. Are we going to so see baby thalids? I want to see baby thalids. I want to see... Baby thalid witches. Maybe not that, but I, I'm, I'm just excited. Oh, oh my gosh, what if we have more turn to X cards? Because that's constantly a thing. Like, there was that uh, one about the bear that was... Uh, the prince that was turned into a bear and then hung out with Rose Red and Snow White for a while. I think they're going to be flip cards. Yeah. So we've seen some of the card art. We haven't seen any text, but like we've seen two arts of Goldilocks. One is a front kind of looks regular and the other one's a back and it's got the book insert in it. So I think it's, I think they're going to be like a turn the page flip card kind of the story. Yeah, a little, I think it's going to be kind of maybe a take on sagas because yeah. when they were like chapter one, chapter two, I think it's going to be very similar where we're like, and uh, next page or something. I'm not sure because on this specific card, there's an activation cost. I don't know what the ability is, but the activation cost was five green green. And Destroy all it, bears. 
<laughs> Destroy all no. the barrels on the battlefield. Eat no. all the porridge. Just no. hoses Ayla completely. <laughs> Take a pause for our ad and um, perhaps return with uh, some more conversations about Magic Story and, and such. Yeah, cool. that sounds great. Let's do it. We'll be back in a minute. Bye. Sure, you might be the most ferocious beast the multiverse has ever known. But when it comes to finances, jundaligned creatures and planeswalkers are far behind the curve. Don't be ashamed about it. Take a stomp towards financial wellness with Jund Financial Services. I used to be on top of my game, financially speaking. As a trusted confidant, my long list of clients paid me a great living until an unfortunate series of expensive reveals killed them off one by one. Thanks to Jun Financial Services, I was able to dig myself out of debt and find a new market of desperate dupes, I mean discerning partners. We missed the boat and bought into the hype to get a play set of ourselves. Whoever thought the newest, cheapest two-mana planeswalker would break the bank? Thanks to Jun Financial Services, we were able to negotiate a payment plan that was affordable without putting up our precious portraits as collateral. Thanks, Jund. Several years ago, I went to a prestigious law school. It was my dream to be the first and only dinosaur lawyer on Ixalan. But that dream put me so heavily strapped with student loan debt that I would roam the streets causing terror and ruin because I was afraid of my financial future. After speaking with a Jun representative, we found several alternatives to eating the collectors that visited my office, although most of them were quite delicious. Don't let mounting debt trample over you. Call Jun Financial Services today for a free consultation. back yeah i've been looking for some new folks to talk to about my stocks and bonds you know i've got all these tech bonds not sure what to do with them and it seems like they they have a good idea of how to fix some stuff i don't Dovin bond gonna see you're firing him coming no because he doesn't have any eyes uh, yeah, he had it coming. Poor he had it coming. I think it's absolutely appropriate that the one person who had wanted to have eyes everywhere now has eyes nowhere. nowhere. Ah. Yes, yes. Okay, we're gonna I see just... Dovin Bond come back in one of the future sets, and he's gonna have thopters implanted into his head. Yeah, yeah. and he's actually gonna be able to fly with them. So oh, you're, you're telling me he flew to Esper? <laughs> I know he did planes walk to Esper, and and okay. Oh, Dovin, what big mechanical eyes you have! The better to see you with, my dear. <laughs> I just kind of saw him as like a new Jordy LaForge kind of situation where he has the little like visor and yeah I don't know I'm just I I don't know I don't feel comfortable making fun of someone who's been blinded but that's just me but they had it they- he had, it coming. had it coming. He did. Oh my gosh, he what totally had it coming. What, a, what an he, arrogant. He, oh. I just that's, that's a good life. person. It sucks. I'm just saying it sucks. I think he should have gone on trial. I think No. Oh, no. Okay. On just, trial. Yeah. He's lucky to be alive. Yeah. Okay, here's a, here's do, the white. Do you want to be on trial I'm the Mizzet? white blue mage here speaking and I'm just like, "Come on. We yeah, we should yeah. Nick anyway. Mizzet is your judge, even, jury, and executioner. Not I mean, even like Nick Mizzet reborn, but like baby Nick Mizzet reborn with Michelle's voice. <laughs> Hello. We of the jury find you 
Delicious. 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 I'm not. Oh, no, no. I mean, I think at least he would have faced some the jury court and delicious. some jury. Oh, I'm just saying. Oh, he can partner with, uh, what was the, the, the guy's name from Ixalan? What? With us wide open. Oh, Jeru? Jeru! That's from Almond Cat. Oh, that's right. Okay, well. Whatever. Okay, <laughs> anyway, we, we need should... to get back to Eldrain. You know? Yeah, I was. I got totally lost there. I had no idea where we were going with this. Let me just put you back. How did you get back up on Bolus's statue? I thought we'd put it down already. I don't understand. You keep doing this, Justin. I was totally lost. You just keep doing this, Justin. I just walked to get a bite out of a gingerbread house, and then I ended up on the statue, and now I don't know where to go. So perhaps we can segue in here and talk about what we heard today. The Wildered Quest by is being written by Kate Elliott, who previously wrote The Chronicles of Bolus. Yes! So we'd love to see Kate Elliott come back. Yes! But this is going to be a novel. And it will be $4. $4? And it will be an e-book. So there is that. Only e-book? Only e-book. So e-book? I-, I can't get my fresh paper, like, fix? Unfortunately, we will have to keep resorting to our booster packs for, for that fix. Yeah. We're just. <laughs> oh, <up>. yeah. <laughs> so, awesome. Michelle, how do you feel about this transition? To my knowledge and to my understanding, there are not going to be stories written on a weekly basis as we saw in previous sets. This has been the trend for magic story content, uh, that there were free weekly chapters. I think all the way since Tarkir. I think that was really when it kicked off, maybe a little bit before then, too. Because to my understanding, I think Theros was um, also a novel. So it seems like they're going to be returning to paying for story content, which is not something I necessarily agree with, mostly because I think the Vorthos community is pretty small. Um, It has seen a renaissance as of late with um, excellent writing, especially during Ixalan block, um, people bringing, uh, bringing really amazing writers in like Nikki Drayden, Django Wexler, and Kate Elliott, who's coming in again. Martha Wells. And Martha Wells. I'm sorry, let me just, in Cassandra Call, just going to bring yeah. out my list here of yeah. all the great authors. Greg Weissman, too. Um, and the thing is that we have been built as a community around this around this product for a while. I mean, there's entire podcasts that have been basically their entire existence is around recording. And I'm talking about voice of all, like recording and distributing this free content for folks. And it's a really great way, I think, for folks who aren't super invested into the competitive side of magic to still feel involved, right? Um, You have cosplayers who are excited about wanting to cosplay their favorite character. You have people who want to get certain things or represent their guild because they like that particular guild within the story. My concern with creating this new system is that we're going to find less viewership. For example, we as the Lorgwives, I think I tweeted about this earlier. I did definitely tweet about this earlier. Since we've started, we've always had this sort of shared connection with our listeners where we both have access to this story. So that way, whenever we riff on something, people are like, oh, yeah, it's not like they actually had a Celine Dion moment (laughs) during Hour of Devastation. That was just a joke that they made. Instead, you know, they won't be able to get the full context that we have access to or necessarily because it's a buy-in because it's a paywall i think it just makes it a little bit more difficult for folks to become vorthoses and that's just not something that i'm in favor of 
So I, I'm kind of not really on board with this approach. I see where you're coming from. Yeah. And I, I agree with some perspectives. But I do think that there's actually a positive side that can outweigh some of those negatives in my mind. And that is the fact that you just get so much more out of a novel. Like, a short story is great for telling a quick, quippet story. In a novel, you can get a fully fleshed out story, character growth, arcs. You can get so much more out of your characters that we, I think, we, especially on this podcast, kind of begged for in a lot of situations. Maybe maybe we didn't see it the way that we quite wanted to out of Craig Weissman's story, but I think change the pace away, get away from the gate watch, and get into these newer, less known characters, you can see a lot more character growth. But what Michelle is like saying that. is that that could be done and still not have a paywall associated with it yeah. as well. Um, I will say first that I come from a privileged position. I have in the deck of privilege, I have nearly all foil mythics, but uh, I see this as a positive. I self-published some novels, one of which is free or one that had free for quite some time and the rest I had sold for pay. I was never entirely comfortable listing a novel for free. A lot of people would download it, but that would, they wouldn't necessarily value it. In my mind, having stories, especially novels which are traditionally paid for for free, sets a bad precedent for writers and authors, and it devalues the story. So when, if Wizards as a goal, which they do have a goal to make their writing their stories as respected as their illustrations, which frequently win awards. I think it makes sense for them to sell a novel. I think we'll be, have it more respected amongst the literary community. I think people who buy it will respect it more for the money they've paid for it. I hear you. And as a writer um, who has published work, I can, I totally understand your perspective. The thing about being a consumer on the other end, uh, on the other hand, is that when I pay $4 for something, that means that I've decided to spend that $4 on this as opposed to something else and something I used to get for free. Um, that's sort of how this feels, really. Um, even though it's a novel, we've received Brandon Sanderson's novella for free. Uh, we've received, we're basically getting an entire novel, like bit by bit from Django for free. Um, we've received like the excellent stories from Nikki Drayden and also all these other things for free. And I don't think that, at least in my opinion, any of these works are any less commendable because they were free. Also, magic is an expensive game. It, I think that's the reality of the situation. And folks who want to engage in this game, they don't necessarily have always have the money to do it. And I think that the for for the community as a whole, what was great about the Vorthos uh, the Vorthos community is that you didn't have to pay to play. Essentially, you could just read the story and be just as engaged on forums and online with us and with other content creators about about the same things as much as possible. There wasn't necessarily a boundary between what we knew and what everybody else knows, and. That, I think, is what's the most concerning about the situation. It's not that you're not paying for quality. I'm sure that the work that Kate will be creating and will be released will be excellent. My concern is that that just makes getting folks interested in story that much more difficult. It's interesting to, to say that. I think that there are parts of this that we can't see. Because I'd be really interested to see the ROI or return on investment on the free stories versus what they see from the novels. 
Now, because this could just be a total business decision of like, yeah. we're tired of paying for these stories. If the players want them, they can pay for them by buying these novels. Like that's a that's a very corporate thing, not a stance I'd like to think that wizard is wizards would take, but it's 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 possible. Yeah. It's just that we can't pay for these stories anymore, or we don't want to pay for these stories. You know, we'll let the players do it. We'll do it in the form of novel. It's something this has happened time and time again. Based on what I saw on Weekly MTG, and by the way, thank you so much, Blake, for the shout out and for chat for the shout out. We got some recognition on Weekly MTG today, along with our sister podcast, the the Vorthos Cast. You're more like a nephew. Well, oh. We're definitely relatives. For our grandchild, the, <laughs> the Vorthos Twice cast. removed, really. Yes, tangentially affiliated. I mean, so I hearken back to the old days where the magic novels, the actual pulpy magic novels were included in the fat packs, which you would still have to buy the fat pack in order to get the novel for, quote, free, end quote. And how that evolved to the stories being created in-house by the R&D team uh, from Origins on. Origins was mentioned on the weekly MTG cast today as like the starting point for more focus being placed on the development of the five principal Gatewatch characters. And this is the brave new world of, of magic story as far as I'm concerned. Like Wizards is bringing on these uh, very talented authors to write and that's not inexpensive. And I don't want to get into the debate on how much is affordable. What is a reasonable price for these novels? I mean, it, I just think that that's a trap. And I don't want to be the arbiter of what other people can afford and, and what they can't afford. Me personally, like I can say that as a Vorthos centric podcast, regardless if you can afford the $3.99 to get the ebook by Kate Elliott. We're going to cover the novel. We're going to make it fun. And we'll be here for that content. I know a lot of our listeners who didn't pick up the War of the Spark novel for various reasons still enjoyed coming to our podcast to get a very serious, very <laughs> truthful and honest retelling of the story themselves. And I know the Vorthos cast is committed to doing a summary of the story, too. They're a little bit fast and loose in my experience, but... Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> nowhere near what we do. Yeah, but, but as far as the business decision to charge for this content, I had personally hoped that it was going to be a delicious Kate Elliott pulp. Uh, hoping you're gonna this, put Kate Elliott in a like a food processor. Well, no, like <laughs> I want. I want. Like I. I just love the feeling and the texture of a God, book this in still my sounds hands. Sounds like a food processor. Uh, we're not gonna stuff Kate Elliott into a food processor and make her into a pulpy mai tai. We, we okay. Can't, Speaking we can't, of grim fairy tales, we can't. We can't <laughs> you know, like, I can't actually like put my face on the podcast because this is an auditory thing but rest assured my face right now is just the hell yeah <laughs> the the other no. couple of things that are relevant for the first time in i think maybe magic's history we're going to be able to have access to the story before the cards are being previewed that's so, one of the reasons i like this 
So we get, I mean, like instead of seeing all of the cards and the cards spoiling the story and having to pretend to be surprised, surprised. Oh, Bullis loses. Hesperia, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so that's really cool. Yeah. And think of it this way: like this is a pilot to see where we, as the Vorthos community takes the future of magic story. And certainly, I I think that I haven't seen a commitment that they're going to do this exclusively going forward. If you do not like this, certainly let them know. Uh, I would also say that magic is an expensive game. I wouldn't fault anyone for not being able to uh, uh, afford it, uh, full yeah. stop. But uh, as a writer and author, I feel it is wrong to expect any sort of novels for free. So I would say that if anything, what was incorrect was giving away full novels for free. I think that, but the problem is like the authors were still getting paid. They were being paid by Watsi. But as a, so as again, I've given away some of my novels for free as a lead in to sell other novels. If it's a, if your opinion is that this novel is a lead in to buy magic cards, that is a statement, but still the precedent of giving away a novel for free is not something that we should be, I am entirely comfortable with. And certainly Brandon Sanderson and gave away his. I think there's a reason to do it sometimes, but I think the expectation of it happening but all the time is unhealthy. I, I disagree. They were paid for their work. But the expectation for a reader to receive a novel for free is unhealthy because it's devaluing the work of a writer. So, But this is not, a, this is basically a part of the community that can't necessarily afford to do engage in the community in other ways. And so are we basically saying that if you can't buy this, that we shouldn't have these people as part of our community? So I think it's reasonable to say that you can't afford packs and packs and packs of magic cards. But if you're not a customer at all, if you're not spending any money into Wizards, how can we expect the companies to support this? I think Vorthoses come in all different shapes and sizes and levels of discretionary income. Like, I don't think it's fair to say that the Vorthoses are on the sidelines and especially the Vorthoses don't have the the budgets or the funds to be able to pay for this content. So, and that's why they're Vorthoses. I mean, I just want to see where this goes. Does that make sense? So between the art books and now these ebooks, there is definitely an opportunity for Vorthoses to flex their um, buying power, independent of the game of itself. Yeah, I don't like to think about it that way. I don't think I like to think about it as a flex of the buying power. Yeah. But I want to come at it from a corporate stance. I'm a corporate guy. That's what I do. I, like, I'd want to see the numbers behind it. And we're never going to see this. Yeah, like, we're never going to see Never going to get what I want here. Because... The reason that a company like Wizards produces stories is to help enfranchise players either deeply, more deeply, yeah. or bring in new players. Mm-hmm. And I think the weekly stories only hit half of that, which is the already enfranchised player. I don't think that has been true for a recent story, though. I think that a lot of folks have certainly told me that with the um, with the writing on Ixalan, with the writing, I guess, in Dominaria and whatnot, that this is what brought them into the game. And these are the people that I'm thinking about when I make when I when I make these concerns rather. It's really at the end of the day, these are stories that serve the game. These are essentially advertisements. 
And it's just really deep and really wonderful that we've been able to experience this so far without having to pay too much for it or pay anything really. And while I understand that it's important for writers to be paid for their work, I think that the service that they are providing has been amply paid for by the company itself, understanding that this is, you know, yeah, I, I, like this I is an ad. Take it from the the Watsi side of are they getting the return for on investment of their stories? I think and, I think so. I mean, why why monetize it otherwise? I don't think that you can test. And like Bob said, we're never going to see these numbers. But I don't think you can test getting a return on an investment if you're not getting any return on your investment. And we've seen that with all of these previous stories. They were free. Like, of course, we can evaluate how many times the pages were visited or et cetera, et cetera, and go down that rabbit hole. But, you know, like Greg Weissman's novel hit the New York Times bestsellers and list. And if once that happens, and then other people can see it who are outside of magic. And so the story can deepen a fan's relationship to the game and make them a better customer. But to get other people interested into it, I think it does need to be a novel with a price tag on it. If It's going to be a lot harder to get people to read atypical free stories. But the th- actually, I disagree. I think it is even harder to try to find content like that that is priced. I mean, we've tried this before. This is not the first time that we've sold novels on their own, like Ravnica, Return to Ravnica, and also Theros had those novels, and they didn't really sell, and they didn't really go very well anywhere. And so that's one of the reasons why they started making this content free, is because people weren't engaging with the story otherwise. And I know that $4 is not necessarily a lot of money for a lot of folks, but honestly, like, I... Missed. I neglected to sign up for the commander party two weeks ago because it asked for my DCI number. And I was like, ah, crap. I don't want to necessarily look at my DCI number right now. You don't have it memorized? What kind of magic player are you? I know. I know. I know. I don't need to. (laughs) I just go to my LGS. I'm like, but, um, (laughs) but, but (laughs) any, what I'm telling you is like any barrier, no matter how small, if you put a tiny step on a on a street that no one was expecting to be there, it makes that street that much harder to go down. I just don't think that model is sustainable, Michelle. I well, it, I, we I don't actually, know that. So I'm I'm with Michelle. I don't actually like the price point. I don't like that it's now a paywall. I am trying to be supportive and understand what Watsi is trying to do with it. But I actually do believe that the paywall will push people away. Yes. Because the story is designed to be advertising. That's like you having to pay a nickel every time you visited a website and an ad popped up that says, hey, click here to get whatever, whatever, whatever product. And then now you're charged a nickel. With all due respect to the in-house writers that have created Magic Story before, the writers that are writing magic story now are like Hugo nominated decorated authors. And to be blunt, they're really freaking good at what they do. And nobody's arguing the quality of the story. I think, I think the, the real talk is it isn't in the distribution and the purpose of the story therein. I agree. Whether it's an advertising effect to try and enfranchise players. Cause that's how you're going to get players to buy more cards ultimately. 
right? Is like you get them into the story, they enjoy it, it brings them into the game, invested. they find it. Yeah. Yes, it builds this emotion versus you, what they're trying to do with the novel now is you buy the novel, be like, oh, this story is really good. I'm going to go play some Magic the Gathering. And I don't know that that's going to, like, I don't think it works in reverse. But if yeah. you see a story which has made the Times new bestseller novel and it has to have a price tag for that, then people outside the game could get interested and check it out. It's if, possible. Like, it, I, yeah, like if, I think the, the horizon is, po- is, is there. A well-reviewed, nebula-nominated, something like that. The story, most of the time, if it's novel length, they'll have a price associated with that to be taken seriously. And so this is, that is one of the goals. That's true, but one of the things that Watsi is, that this is butting up against very much is that the science fiction and fantasy community as a whole, when we look at nebula and award nominations and whatnot, they don't tend to look at basically like works like this that are basically commissions that are, um, what's the word? They are connected to another franchise. And I think AE is saying that maybe some of the strategy going forward with this new presentation of this work is to go more towards that direction. Well, they've stated that they want to win awards. They want, well, they want to win awards, but at the cost of... I mean, basically, they're going to be. I think they're going to be losing people along the way. I don't really see how this is going to be successful, but that's just me being pessimistic. I think there's a place for free novels, and there's a place for charging people for novels. That's true. However, the fact that we are not seeing any free story content for Eldraine is very concerning. But we are currently reading The Gathering Storm, which is free. That's in the past, and that was something that was discussed a while ago. Going forward, if we're not seeing any free magic story content for any future sets, I think this is very concerning. So listeners, if you do not want all these stories to be behind a paywall, this is some feedback you can give to Wizards. I think one thing that this does open the door for, and I think it's really important because this is something that I've been preaching for a while, is more community engagement, right? The free content, the awesome content can actually come from the community in a lot of ways. So like the Lorgoifs, we're we're a free source of information. free element of this content. We can actually really capitalize, if we wanted to, we could capitalize on it and actually really be like, we're now the free source for the story. Yeah. Right, because uh, we're providing it in our own unique way. True. Like it's not. I'm not saying it's great, but what it does is it it opens the door. It would behoove wizards to start promoting like fan fiction about the story. Yeah. And kind of like getting the community more involved. I think that is- instead of having the community ask for everything, I think the community getting involved and doing their thing, which is why I really supported the commander party at. Vegas, because this is the commander council and all these people sitting there saying, hey, we want a commander event. We want to do this. And Channel Fireball was like, yeah, let's do it. And yeah, to Wizards credit in in the last year, like I've seen Gavin appear on Tolarian Community College. And apart from that, like him writing articles about some previous oversights as far as the design of some sets that didn't do so well go through and Before, it was like, okay, before the way of reconciling those mistakes was like standing in a burning room and saying, oh, everything's fine, everything's great, just move on. But there seems to be a lot more accountability coming from Wizards, new accountability, and even more transparency based on my perceptions about what's going on on Weekly MTG. Blake was... He repeated over and over and over again, they want feedback. 
And the kind of feedback that they want is not, you know, this game is garbage, this story is garbage, you know, everything's a dumpster fire, F you wizards. That's not the kind of feedback that they're looking for. They're looking for well-reasoned, very specific, targeted, constructive feedback. So if you are a Vorthos who feels like they've been disenfranchised by this paywall, let them know, you know? If you are on board with seeing Magic Story going more towards the direction of award nominations and awards receptions and movies and Netflix series and and so on and so on, like give that kind of feedback as well. I'm just willing to take a back seat here to see where this is going to go. And if it brings a lot more people into the game, then that's great. And if it's a net neutral then or a net negative, then maybe there's something that needs to be looked at. This is the brave new world of Magic Story. And I think we should stay tuned and find out where the ship takes us. So any final words before we wrap it up? I, I have one final thought. The, the $3.99 price point, it, it seems to be a price point to try to cover the costs of actually producing the novel. Just we don't know to, that. I don't know that, but I know from seeing other novels and seeing other periodicals, they are offered at a much higher, ebooks are offered at a much higher price point. And this just seems like a very conservative price point. This is my opinion. I don't have access to the spreadsheets or the margins and nor will we ever. I think it's a standard price point. 399 for an ebook is kind of just like the market going rate. It's even a little bit lower than average. Yeah. It seems it seems like a very conservative price point. Well, Although there's no I, longer any MSRP like we all pay like a little over $4 for a booster pack at our I, local I want to stop store. making that comparison. Yeah, can we, we shouldn't be comparing booster packs to, to the novel. novel. Like yeah. I get that that's magic is all about the cards. They're just two very different things. I'm I'm just saying, like, for a piece of literature, it doesn't seem like they're out to make a bank no, off of this project. It's not, but the point still stands that it makes it harder. And that's just the reality of putting a price on anything. It just makes it a little bit harder to access for people. I like but. the possibility that all our issues with The War of the Spark being a novel were primarily there was just so much going on and so many char- such a load of characters. The opportunity to focus just on Rowan and potentially a few other characters is exciting to me. I look forward to seeing this novel and I hope it is good enough to win awards. I hope that this is really good. I sure think it will be. Kate Elliott's a great writer. Bob, any final thoughts? Yeah, I would say just just hold on. Nothing is ever set in stone. We've seen things go back before. I agree that I don't really like paying for advertising. So we'll see see how the story winds up. And if it's just if it's just boating for the set, then that might be it. Like if if it's a real legitimate story all on its own and it's kind of standalone from the cards, then I think it it could be a successful program. All right, with that very heated conversation full of very good points, we will go ahead Did and you say leave very here. good points. Very no. good points. <laughs> we will go ahead and leave things here. Again, a big shout out to our sponsor, Card Kingdom, for being awesome. If you want to support us, you can hit up our affiliate link, www.cardkingdom.com slash lorgoifs. 
And also to our wonderful patrons on Patreon, thank you. Without your support, this would be a lot harder for us. And to our wonderful sound editor, Yosh. Yes. And with that, I'm one of your hosts, Michelle. I'm Justin. I'm A.E. And I'm Bob. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Laters. You know, I went with two decks. Uh, I didn't know. I mean, this is like week one of the format, so I had no idea. Like the very scary uh, uh, Lorgoyf's previewed Cavalcade of Calamity yeah. mono red deck was, had just like broken out the week before. And the first week tends to be a lot more aggressive than, than previous weeks. So I had two decks that I saw on one of my favorite streamers' streams, uh, Jeff Hoagland. And I brought both of these decks, and I just obsessed about which deck to play. So I went with Sultai Kefnet, which was a control deck. It's a black-blue deck uh, that splashes green for Assassin's Trophy and a bunch of removal, three Ritual of Soots in the main, also three Drawn from Dreams, so that the hope is that you reveal a Drawn from Dreams with Kefnet, and then you get to cast it for blue blue instead of two blue blue, and <laughs> and y'all are y'all y'all are looking at me like I'm glad oh you have goodness. dreams, Justin. Yeah. I I'm a, maybe a regret a little bit asking you that question. We might cut some of it but <laughs> well, i appreciate your enthusiasm and again we might cut this but as an aside i also like jeff hoagland's uh black red aristocrats deck oh it has yeah natural hate against that's, that's, his, shift. that's his baby it's his little it's his little i baby. just remember him as the owling man the, yep. uh, the owling that mind is, man remains true that's, that's all that's all i know oh and then um send a message russian um uh, Russian stomping grounds, yeah. Foil Russian stomping grounds sent a message. That's yep. that's basically all I know about <laughs> Jeff Hoagland. Yep.
I just wanted to moose in because I had I had burped and I was kind of close to the microphone, so I would really hope that that not make it in. Well, that's um, why we have four different mics on four different tracks. So I know, but yeah, I, just, yeah, I just and we don't. didn't hear it, so it's fine. I didn't hear. Well, of course, you didn't hear it. <laughs> no. <laughs> can you can you redo that burp? Can we get another take <laughs> that's on that so burp? Good. I was gonna say, you're good enough to lock up in a tower. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I, I thought I, I thought just thank you for letting your hair down with us, the Lorgoifs, and supporting us. <laughs> I thought it was cute. Not responsible for any <laughs> hair damages. Hair damages? Is the first thing I thought of. My I'm debt free, but my my hair has been all singed and unconditioned. That's Re- all I was back on soul. Re- back on soul. Let down your hair. Let down your golden locks of hair so that, oh my gosh, this is not going to a very no. positive destination. No, no. we're just going to leave <laughs> that there. May you're, okay, cool. English, the most ferocious beast in the multiverse. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and Yosh for Carnage Tyrant. We are going to record Bob doing uh, incoherent dino blabber for the first part of the dino bladder blab bladder. If for the first part of the blabber, if you could have um, the blabber front and center, uh, and then uh, after about ten seconds of the blabber, if you could fade it uh, slightly, and then we're going to have Bob do the interpreter uh, overlaying. The, the bladder, blabber, and the bladder. I'm not touching the bladder. Does that make sense? Oh, that was cute, Justin. 